This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we'll be interviewing Bobby Sharma. Bobby is a real estate investor in the Bay Area. He does private money lending, sells turnkey properties, and is partners with a group that owns over 700 single-family homes in the Midwest. He's also the leader of one of the largest meetup groups in the Bay Area with over 3,000 members. He'll explain his strategies for acquiring so many properties and how to structure deals to minimize the downside, as well as how to run a successful meetup group and the benefits of doing so. I'm excited to share everything he's told me. Here's Bobby. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and how you got into real estate investing? Hey, uh, first of all, thank you, Sean, for having me on your podcast. Of course, I'm a great friend of yours. Uh, love what you're doing. Uh, I'm basically uh, a, a real estate investor based out here in Northern California. I did start investing in California, but that's not uh, where I invest. I, I have, of course, some investments here, but I focus in the Midwest and the Southeast as well. Cool. And so what are you currently doing? What is your current investing strategy? Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, so I'm primarily a uh, private money lender. So I have a lot of friends that are rehabbers um, and uh, I've been lending to them uh, for a long time, uh, sort of repeat um, clients. So uh, uh, they finish a project, they, they find another deal, they come back, and, and I fund them. Uh, but uh, uh, so, so that's, that's my primary investment. Uh, of course, I own some rentals. Uh, I've done a, a few fix and flips. Uh, and uh, uh, right now, focused on providing turnkey properties to investors in the Bay Area. And also, we... I'm partnered with a, couple, a few friends uh, where we own uh, a Section 8 properties. So we own about 700 single-family homes, uh, primarily in the Midwest, uh, that are uh, mostly um, allocated for affordable housing. Interesting. That's a lot of stuff you're doing at the same time. A lot so of stuff. Let's break it down one by one. Uh, as yeah. a private money lender, can you talk about some of the terms you're giving to people? So usually first position loans. The two or three points, 10% is the usual, no junk fees, uh, just, uh, uh, you know, usually about 80% of the purchase price. If I've known the rehabber for a long time and I've done a lot of business with them, I'll fund them 100%. And uh, so uh, on, on the purchase and the rehab uh, as well. But, um, you know, for new rehabbers that I've, I haven't worked with before, it's 80% of the purchase price, and then two to three points, uh, 10%. Okay, sounds good. So moving on to the next subject, you said you sell turnkey properties to people in the Bay Area. How does that work if you're here in the Bay Area as well? Yeah, great, great point. You know, so Sean, you know, since you and I, we live in the Bay Area, we know how expensive uh, uh, the market is here, and it's really tough to a cash flow uh, in, in the Bay Area. So about five years ago, I started venturing out to Kansas City and Midwest 
and I started buying turnkey pro uh, uh, buying uh, rental properties myself uh, five six years ago, and since then I've uh, grown my portfolio. Uh, but at the same time, I would come across some amazing deals. Uh, I ran into somebody who had who was like minded through my through my meetup, and he him and I partnered up to provide Bay Area investors with turnkey properties. So uh, usually A and B properties, fully rehabbed, uh, they will appraise, they go through a, a, an inspection, uh, they come with property management uh, in, in markets that are primarily known for cash flow. You know, markets like Huntsville, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, St. Louis, Kansas City, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and uh, my latest market is in Savannah, Georgia. So that's where we are. Uh, a lot of the people that are in those markets are actually former residents of the Bay Area, but they also found the Bay Area to be very competitive. So they chose to move out to these markets and, and find deals there. So. Um, they sharpened their skills over here, uh, went to a slightly less competitive market, but are finding you know, a very good deals with good margins uh, in, in those markets as well. Sounds good. And so are you selling those properties based on like a rent? So you're saying, okay, these properties make that 1% rule or how do you value the properties? Yeah, so it's definitely below uh, the, the market retail value. So we, we, we try to pass on some equity to our investors. Uh, most B properties that we're selling are, I would say, in the 1.3 to 1.5% rent to property value ratio. So, uh, so they can, uh, we, we, the, the way we measure it is, of course, cash on cash or the internal rate of return. So if you look at it from cash on cash, they're between 12 to 14%. And then if you look at a five-year internal rate of return, they're closer to 15 to 18% uh, internal rate of return. Very nice. And how are you guys getting compensated for that? Is it from yeah. managing the properties and selling it? Yeah, so we, we actually pass them. The, we, we don't get paid for property management. We pass it to a local uh, property management company that we have vetted, uh, that we've used in the past. Uh, so, so no kickbacks, nothing from them. From our suppliers, we just have a tiny markup, uh, and that's what we have. Uh, but that markup pays for inspections, uh, sometimes if there's some minor repairs or home warranties, we'll throw in those, but, but primarily we get a very tiny uh, markup from our suppliers. Uh, but we, we enforce uh, that the properties have to appraise. Uh, they have to uh, pass a neutral third-party inspection, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the renters have to be people that are... Uh, a screen properly and all that. So, um, so some some investors want to take on a an, a vacant property if it was recently rehabbed, and then they'll put a tenant that they want in those properties. Other investors 
they, they don't care. They want a truly a turnkey property that's, uh, that's cash flowing from day one. Gotcha. So do you guys go in and do the rehabs or do your suppliers already do all that work for them? You're just doing the connection. Yeah, great question. So we started out doing our own rehabs, uh, but you know, we, were, we couldn't be in every market. Uh, so we chose to partner with local uh, teams that are providing us with the property. Uh, but some of these teams are friends and you know, people that I knew from the Bay Area that have now chosen to, for example, I have a couple of teams in Cleveland. They, they used to live in the Bay Area, they've moved there and they're finding great deals. Another gentleman has moved to Milwaukee. Another team is in uh, Savannah, Georgia. So, uh, but uh, very often I'm also finding local teams that are uh, providing the inventory. Okay, very cool. So the last one you said was you have 700 homes in the Midwest with a bunch of your partners. So would you like to talk about that? I'm actually sitting in our office uh, in San Mateo. We started uh, a company called uh, Roof for All, uh, Roof and then the number four, uh, all.com. Our purpose is to provide good, clean, affordable housing to deserving uh, families in the Midwest. Uh, so one of our partners lives in Kansas City. Uh, so if you recall, Sean, you know, you may be too young to recall that there was a major correction in the market uh, seven years ago, right? But, uh, uh, but, you know, so seven years ago, uh, the real estate market in the Midwest got devastated. Uh, one of our partners uh, decided that, you know, he was going to go in with some capital and just start acquiring as many properties as possible. So they, they acquired about 110 properties, and then I joined them about two and a half years ago. I became their first private money lender, and then since then, uh, we have grown the, the portfolio. Uh, we, we buy properties. We, we have our own crew. So number one, uh, our own rehab crew, our own uh, leasing agents, our own property management, uh, so we're not outsourcing too much. Uh, we have our own handyman. So if there's a, a repair call, uh, let's say it's a, kind of a, a, a plumbing call that needs to be addressed. You know, we have somebody on staff who will make the rounds to go fix it versus uh, calling, you know, like a rotor router or somebody. So we, we, we try to keep our costs down. But... Uh, uh, we work very closely with the housing authorities in those markets, and we we rehab the homes. Uh, they have to pass they have to pass the uh, housing authority inspection, and then we get to uh, do a screening on the tenant that's going to move in. So we look at the uh, the we actually get to screen them. It's not like the housing authority just forces us to take on a tenant. Uh, so we go through a screening process, and we have a dedicated team for 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 doing that. Uh, so yeah, that portfolio has grown uh, from you know we started out in Kansas City, we're in St. Louis, in Memphis, Cleveland, uh, Indianapolis, and Milwaukee. Uh, those are our primary markets. Uh, but uh, so far, uh, we're at about 700 homes. Uh, we're adding about two to five properties per week. Uh, 
So very, uh, very aggressive growth uh, strategy. But uh, uh, you know, the 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 goal is ultimately to provide decent housing to deserving families. All right, very interesting what you just said. I have a couple of questions on that. Most people, when they get to that kind of scale, they don't want to buy single family homes anymore. They try to jump to multifamily. Why haven't you guys moved into that strategy? Yeah, very, yeah, again, a solid question, you know. And uh, so what happens in a multifamily inspection, especially Section 8, if it was a B property, we would, if I was investing in A and B properties, I'd definitely look at um, multifamily, especially for, at scale. If you know how Section 8 operates, these are typically C properties. And if you have a, a bad tenant in a multifamily environment, um, it's, they, can, they can take down the whole apartment building. They can take down the whole complex. They, they can become a big distraction. Whereas in a, in a single family home, it's just very easy for us to laser focus in on the, on the bad tenant uh, and then kind of take care of him, kind of isolate him or her and then just get rid of him versus, so it doesn't impact the rest of the portfolio. So, you know, the analogy is, you know, the, the multifamily gurus always say, you know, uh, if you raise the rent by $25, you know, you, you increase the NOI by X and you compress the cap rates and all that. But it also works in reverse. So if you have a bad property and you're not managing it properly or you have bad tenants or you have a collection of bad tenants and you start having issues, that impacts your overall uh, portfolio value of that multifamily. But in a single family, C property, it's just easier to, 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 to deal with them uh, outside of a multifamily. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I noticed that you said you have a big team. 700 properties is a lot, right? So, you know, who's, who's on your team and how many people do you have total? Yeah, so, uh, so Jason is out and he heads our uh, Kansas City uh, office, our headquarters. So we have um, contractors, leasing agents, uh, primarily for Section 8, uh, uh, supporting uh, a, a handyman, a collection of handymen. Uh, we have a rehab crew. We have three people in finance that are working with our investors and, and, and for bookkeeping and, and providing year-end statements and, and doing the paperwork. So three people in, in kind of finance. Uh, so a total of 22 uh, people is a total of four partners. Uh, three of us are here in the Bay Area and then one partner in uh, Kansas City. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of the, the, the operation. Okay, sounds good. Speaking of finance, you know, if I want to buy a property, I can probably buy 10 with my Fannie Mae loans. You guys are doing 700. How do you finance your properties? Yeah, so, uh, so we work primarily with uh, private money lenders. Uh, so what we do is we will go in and acquire a property 
and rehab the property with our own capital. Then what we do, once it's uh, rented out and it's performing, we then uh, get a private money lender to come in and, and cash us out. So we basically uh, pro provide a 75% loan to our investors. They come in and they put a lien on the property and we pay them a 12% fixed return uh, for that, uh, for that. Uh, so they get a annualized six, a 12% return, but it frees up our capital to go do some more acquisition. So basically that 75% is the new value, right? So it's basically cashing you out of everything you've put in, maybe even more if you cash out refit, right? And uh, if they, if the, if we bought the property correctly, uh, then yes, at 75%, we could be cashing out 100% or slightly more, slightly less. But yeah, that can happen. Interesting though, 12%, that's a lot. <laughs> and it still uh, works. Uh, so our average price, so keep in mind two things. We started buying five years ago when the properties were very inexpensive. You, we, we were getting these properties for uh, 5000 and then rehabbing them for 15000 Currently, our new acquisitions, we're all in at about twenty-eight to $29,000. And the housing authority pays between 70, uh, 750 to 950 in rent. So there's plenty of cash flow to pay our investors. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, let's go into the next big question. How are you acquiring those properties? Wholesalers, agents, MLS, uh, auctions, every, our, our acquisition team is very busy working the whole network in those markets. Uh, so what's happened is a lot of asset managers have found out about us because we're, we're buying in volume. So a lot of asset managers have started approaching us with packages of properties. Uh, a lot of great wholesalers have started to have been approaching us, and we've been buying from them um, at great values. Uh, every now and then, we'll pick something up on the MLS, uh, but not very frequently. Um, but we have a dedicated acquisitions team that's just working. Each, each market for acquisitions. Um, uh, we, we don't do direct mailers right now. Uh, it's something we've considered. We just don't have the bandwidth to, to do that. Uh, eventually we may, but not right now. It's good because now you're saving a lot of money. Why not? Okay, perfect. So you have an acquisitions team and what is your buying criteria? How do they know, let's go for this one or let's put an offer on this one at this price? Yeah. So when a property comes to us, we send our we send our uh, our, our contractor to the property. Uh, they've done so many deals that within about five minutes they know whether there's any ma major mechanical problem. If the house has two or more major mechanical problems, uh, we walk away. So if it has one, you know maybe there's a problem with the roof. Or maybe there's a problem with the uh, uh, the HVAC. We we'll take on one major problem. 
But if it's got two or more, if it's, if it's got electrical that complete, needs to be updated completely, and it's got a roof problem, we'll, we'll walk away from it. Uh, so we, we're looking for light rehabs uh, in a C neighborhood, you know, three bedrooms and, and higher. Uh, ideally, three bedrooms. Every now and then we'll pick up a, a two bedroom, but rarely. Four bedrooms, five bedrooms are, are even better, but we don't come across those that often. Uh, usually it's three or four bedroom and one and a, one and a half bath to two bath. Okay. Um, the, the, the full rehab for us needs to come in below 15,000 for us to um, move forward on that property. And what are you looking for in terms of, let's say, uh, you know, final equity after you're done rehabbing or rent price? Yeah, it's got to have at least seven to twelve thousand dollars in equity after you're done with everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And basically, when you do your seventy-five percent cash out refi, you get all your money back, and then maybe plus some. Yeah. And then, as far as rent is concerned, do you go? below a certain rent price like oh if the rents here are only 400 bucks i don't buy here uh yeah yeah but luckily uh because we know what the housing authority schedule is for those zip codes and those neighborhoods we we already know what we're going to get for those properties uh so we uh yeah if, if we we don't need to do market rent analysis uh, because we know what section is going to pay that's right. So basically, Section Eight tells you in this area it's going to be seven fifty, eight hundred bucks, and as long as you're okay with that, and you know that your final equity can be what seven to twelve grand, and your rehab is less than fifteen grand, then you can just backtrack that and say, all right, here's my purchase price. Exactly. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Sounds good. Do you have any tips for any new new investors? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, get in the game. You know, even at these inflated prices, wherever, whatever location you're in, um, there's deals out there. But the more important thing is uh, to take calculated risk, uh, but get in the game. Uh, you know, don't let opportunities pass you by. Think long-term, uh, think um, strategically, uh, think creatively, uh, but, you know, surround yourself with like-minded people. You know, what I love about you, Sean, is, you, you know, you've, you've really, you've got some great friends, you've got some uh, great support systems that you've built, the network you've built. You know, I think uh, a lot of them should follow your footsteps. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, network, uh, surround yourself with positive people, uh, with high ethical standards. And, and get in the game. Sounds good. Have you seen, like what are the most common failures that you've seen people do? Uh, over leverage, uh, not, that's number one. Number two is they don't do enough due diligence on who they are partnering with or who they're investing with. The other fear that I have is it's been eight years or so we haven't seen a down cycle. So a lot of people are extremely euphoric uh, or have been in the past four or five years. We don't know where that uh, surprise is going to come from, but you know, I feel like a lot of folks are not prepared. 
for a uh, maybe some sort of a pullback. Uh, but you know, that's that kind of worries me. It's not something that's um, I worry about every day. I'm not obsessed with that, but I it's in the back of my mind that whether the correction happens in 2019, 20, 22, uh, if you got in with a lot of leverage, then there could be some problems. Yeah. It seems like at least with your strategy, you're cash flowing on every property and you're getting your capital out with every property. So, you know, your downside is pretty low. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, section eight properties, not very sexy, you know, it's not the property you you know you want to post on Facebook as your your uh, you know your fix and flip and all that. But man, you know, uh, for me and my partners, uh, boring is good, uh, and and they, and we're in it for the long haul. We're in it for 10, 20 years, and we know that the properties are gonna uh, pay for themselves and more over the long haul. Mm-hmm. Do you have any horror stories? Maybe something that happened to you in the past? Oh yeah, so many. <laughs> uh, I personally bought some properties in a package in upstate New York. I, did, I, I couldn't cherry pick in that package, so I had to buy the bad with the good. And uh, the tenant eventually ended up uh, sort of trashing the property. I had to find a a local realtor to go in and clean out and try to get it back on the market. Uh, but it sat vacant for two years. And then finally, uh, I, I did have somebody come in, make me a lowball offer and I took it. Uh, so, so that was one. Uh, the other horror story is I invested with a local guru in the multifamily space, I, I won't name him, but uh, and that it, it was a syndication, and that has gone south pretty pretty quickly. Um, a big property, you know, pe- people think uh, just because they're buying in a syndication and in a multifamily, everything's going to be just fine, uh, and, and you know, if they're buying from a well-known person. Uh, you know, there can be surprises. And the problem with that is I have no direct control over that investment anymore. You know, I kind of turned over the funds to the, to the syndicator. And, and uh, so that's uh, uh, most likely going to be a total loss. Uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, everybody has scars from investing in real estate. Uh, but you do have to be careful out there so if we go back to your first one where you invested in upstate new york what were the lessons that you learned from that one always buy where you have trusted boots on the ground where there's uh the the other problem i had with this property was it was a very small town and there wasn't enough population to support you know another tenant quickly moving into the property so i'd say um by you know so my buying criteria now is population of 200,000 and more the city must have 200,000 and more okay uh of course it has to be sort of a growing city with a diverse economy you know we, that's why we like Huntsville we we like uh 
uh, Savannah, we like Cleveland. Cleveland's, you know, got beat up pretty good. It's coming back. We, we like some of those places where they have a slightly diverse economy. Uh, I like Fresno, um, but, you know, but small towns uh, stay away from towns of 20,000, 30,000 people because if you, it, it could be a while before you find a tenant and so on. Yeah. You know, I was in Huntsville last year. I don't think I signed any properties for 15 grand. No, not, not in Huntsville. <laughs> okay. Not in Huntsville. Different strategy in Huntsville. Different strategy. Huntsville is a very, it's a more affluent town. It's got a lot of, uh, you, know, you know, NASA is there. Yeah. Uh, and then you have uh, the new Honda or Mazda plant that's going in. So there's a lot of buzz in Huntsville right now. Uh, the FBI just announced that they were going to, uh, transfer two or three thousand jobs from Washington D.C. to Huntsville. So there's a there's there's a good story there. Okay. Uh, so we have we have boots on the ground uh, there. Uh, so so yes. Uh, what, what what were you doing in Huntsville? I was looking at properties for Huntsville and Birmingham. Nice. Yeah. So we're 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 in uh, we're soon to be in Mobile. We're gonna be uh, we are in. Uh, Birmingham and Montgomery, and of course Huntsville. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, they're they're good markets. Okay, very cool. But so I'm guessing the strategy is similar. Maybe Section Eight. There's what twelve hundred bucks. Can you give me like a scenario of, of a Huntsville property and how you're acquiring yeah, that? So, well, in Huntsville, uh, that's part of my uh, better turnkey uh, property um, portfolio. But there, we're only buying A and B properties. Uh, the cities where we're doing Section 8 in are Kansas City, St. Louis, Memphis, Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Milwaukee. Gotcha. Uh, but in Huntsville, we tend to focus on A and B properties. Or in Alabama, we tend to focus on A and B properties. So that's your turnkey portion of your business, right? Exactly. There, the price points are 80 and above. Okay, gotcha. 80 yeah, that makes sense. Can you talk about Fresno? You mentioned it really briefly. Are you investing in Fresno as well? So yeah, I, I was. Uh, I started investing in Fresno about six years ago. I had a, a broker friend, a rehabber friend, who's also a broker, and he was doing a lot of fix and flips down there. Uh, so I started uh, lending money to him and uh, I did a lot of loans. Ended up buying some rental properties there. The, the reason I bought in Fresno is I looked at the demographics and I looked at the profile and people were buying in like Dallas, they were buying in Austin, they were buying in Portland. And to me, Fresno had the same kind of profile, uh, the same kind of price points, but it was only two, two and a half hours away. So I stepped in and I, and I, I did a lot of deals there. Uh, but to me, it was uh, easier to buy in Fresno versus buying in like a Dallas or in like a Phoenix or in a Portland, except that I could, you know, leave on Saturday morning and come back uh, Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening uh, uh, looking at properties and so on and so forth. So that was, that was the primary attraction. Uh, but you know, people that invested in Dallas and Phoenix and Portland have done just as well. 
Cool. Gotcha. Uh, what is something that you think people should know that they don't know? You know, a lot of people are still afraid of investing in real estate. Uh, they see it as a, uh, you know, dealing with tenants is a, is a challenge. But I would say is that by surrounding yourself, themselves with people like yourself and, and myself and coming to our, our events and so on, I think you, you need to surround yourself with the right people. So if you're on the fence, you know, learn from success of others. One of the good things, you know, Sean, and, and what you have created and, and, and your friends and, and have created is, all, you know, we share, right? We share our, our wins and we share our losses. Uh, we are, you know, transparent with each other. So we're here to help each other. So I would say, if you're on the fence, um, come to our meetings, hang out, go grab coffee with Sean, um, go meet, hang out with me, come have lunch or coffee with me, and, and we'll, we'll share our stories. Yeah, speaking of your meetup, congratulations. I recently saw that you just crossed that, what, 2,000 member mark? 3,000, yeah. 3,000, amazing. So we want to talk a little bit about that and how did you grow it and what made you start in the first place? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, seven years ago, uh, I, uh, I used to live in Emeryville and I noticed that all the great meetups were in South Bay or in San Mateo. And I would come back from work and then I'd drive an hour and a half down to San Jose in the traffic. And, uh, so one day I just said, you know, and, and most of my deals uh, were in East Bay at that time. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to, around myself with great people, uh, like-minded people. Uh, so I, I just started a meetup in Oakland, downtown Oakland. We met at the bar uh, near Lake Barrett um, in the Tribune building. And it was me and three other people. And that has, for over seven years, uh, that's grown to you know now uh, 3,300 people or so. And uh, we, keep, uh, we keep adding new people every day. And we, we're meeting in uh, three locations. And then I, I hope in, uh, in 2019, I'll be able to also meet in San Jose. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's growing. And uh, you know, Sean, thank you for supporting it. Absolutely. Uh, two questions for that. One, what is your main strategy for growing the group? And two, what are the benefits you've seen from being the meetup leader? Sure. So the main strategy for growing uh, the meetup groups is offer authentic content, uh, offer varied content. You know, it cannot be the same boring uh, private money event, or it cannot be the same boring multifamily event. It cannot be the same pitch. Have different speakers, have different content, be educational. Uh, um, uh, you know, focus on high quality speakers. Uh, be consistent, you know, be, uh, try to meet at least once a month. Uh, I think those are the keys. I was, I was just looking at a stat on my meetup page. I have had 124 events uh, since I started. So, you know, we, we, we do slow down in November and December. We, we, we take those two months off. But, but other than that, 
we haven't been very much. So, so the strategy for growth is good speakers, good content, consistency. Okay. And what kind of benefits have you seen from being yeah. the main leader? Yeah, so uh, as a private money lender, I get a lot of my deals through my meetup. Uh, I get a lot of uh, rehabbers that come to the meetup. I, ha- I get a lot of uh, referrals uh, through, through the meetup uh, members. I've been able to expand uh, the whole Section 8 happened because I invited somebody to speak at my meetup. Uh, and then from that, we became friends and I became an investor in their, uh, in their company. And then I became a partner in their company. So, but it, it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been organizing these meetups. Now, having said that, it's equally important to participate in other people's meetups. So just like you can be the organizer, but, you, but I've also found deals or made friends by going to other people's meetups as well. All the, the meetup organizers, you know, they, they really have to be congratulated for creating a great environment for progressive investors uh, to support the progressive investors in the area. I go to other people's events all the time and I find them to be equally as valuable. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today. Do you have any last thoughts or last words you'd like to say? Uh, so number one, Sean, thank you. And I, I, I follow you on Facebook, obviously. I love what you're doing. I keep doing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and uh, I hope to see you at one of my events, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me at any time. And if people want to contact me, uh, they can go to, uh, betterturnkey.com and you can find me there. It's, it's, as, as uh, very, very simple, betterturnkey.com. Uh, my other site is roofforall.com, but, uh, uh, if you have any questions, if your audience members have any questions, reach out to me. And uh, Sean, thank you for, for doing this. And I hope to invite you to be a speaker at one of my events one of these days. <laughs> Hopefully in the future when I'm making the big bucks, I can be like the next Jason Bougie or something like that. I would love to be a speaker. <laughs> you will be. You will be. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thank you, Sean. Here are some of the key takeaways I got from speaking with Bobby. There are many ways to make money in real estate investing. His first one is with private money lending. He'll lend a rehabber the funds he needs to do the job for a few points at about 10%. That's having your money work for you. And he also works with turnkey providers and gets a small spread for connecting an investor in the Bay Area with a turnkey provider out of state. And most interestingly, he and his team are able to acquire a large amount of properties in the Midwest for virtually infinite returns. So they purchase a home and they rehab it, basically buying it for maybe 15, putting 25 in, so you're 40 grand all in. Then they find another private money lender to cash them out of it, and then they give their private money lender 12% interest. After cashing them out, they still have 25% of equity in the deal and the property cash flows. So this allows them to do this an infinite amount of times while they build up their enormous portfolio. And it's a brilliant strategy. I'm glad that I was able to hear about it. I hope you guys all learned a lot. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. 
It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.